2: Call in at 303-690-3000.
4: Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Eric Cartier at Rocky Mountain Calvary in Colorado Springs. I hope that you're having a great Friday afternoon. The number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Also, you can send me a text, 720-336-0897. The heart and purpose of Calvary Live is to give you an opportunity to ask questions about the word or things that are going on in your life. Also, if you need prayer, we'll get into God's word together and go to God's throne room uh, together. So, really, if you have a question where you're like, man, I really would like to talk to a pastor and ask a pastor, this is your opportunity. So, 303 690 3000, 303 690 3000. Also, you can send a text. A text is a great way to be part of today's program, 720-336-0897. And you can text, and it'll come directly to me, a question, prayer request. Again, the number, 303-690-3000, to text 720-336-0897. I'd like to start today's show with a verse out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. It says, better is a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. What Solomon is really speaking to is a life of contentment. And so many times we're longing for more and we're striving and we're toiling and we're not content and quiet with what God has given to us. It's better to have less and be content than to have both of your hands full and striving and longing for more. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said that uh, godliness with contentment is a great gain. And so may God allow us to be thankful this afternoon, to be content with what he's placed in our lives uh, instead of striving and longing uh, for more. Again, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Eric Cartier at Rocky Mountain Calvary in Colorado Springs. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's go to George in Evans, Colorado. George, welcome to the program.
5: Thank you, thank you. Yes, Pastor, I have a question about uh, when the Lord says, or the Bible says that the meek shall inherit the earth. Um, Is it the new heaven and the new earth? Because this one's going to be melted and washed away, they said, right?
4: Yeah, correct. Uh, Peter wrote and said uh, that this earth will uh, be burned up. so, there's a couple of thoughts. Uh, in Revelation 20, uh, we see Jesus return and him ruling and reigning for a thousand years uh, prior to the earth being destroyed. And it oh, says yeah. that, that the saints will reign with him. Uh, and so that could be referring to that thousand year period when we reign with Christ. Um, and then in Revelation 21, we see a new heaven and uh, a new earth. And so I think it does point to um, that millennial kingdom and the new heaven and new earth.
5: Okay, thank you very much. That clarifies a lot.
4: You you bet. God bless you, George. Okay, God bless you. See you later. See you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Eric Cartier. The number to call, 303-690-3000. If you've got a question about a section of Scripture or things that are going on in your life, also you can send a text, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Chris in Loveland. Chris, welcome to the program.
0: Hey, thank you very much. Uh, My question
2: is, uh, I'm looking for a good uh, biblical answer to... Um, how the, the many people that never heard about Jesus Christ, born and died without hearing about him, whether they were born in different you know, continents anciently where they just didn't have a chance uh, to ever hear the Gospel or hear about Jesus Christ, how do they get salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you have any good passages yeah, that help clarify that?
4: Yeah, that's a good, good question. Um, and in Romans uh, chapter 1, it talks about uh, God's attributes being revealed through uh, creation. Uh, Revel- Romans one twenty says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So there is that revelation of God through creation, or if someone were to re- reject God, then they would be held accountable uh, for that. But then also, I think, deeper with this question is, is ultimately, uh, we don't know. Uh, we don't know, uh, revealed through Scripture, um, how all this plays out in God's economy. We do know that God is just, and he makes just judgments and righteous judgments. Uh, but specifically, um, you know, how that is handled by the Lord, I think we'll ultimately have to wait and see.
2: Got it. Well, at least I don't feel bad for missing something obvious.
4: (laughs) Yeah, it's a a really good question. God bless you, Chris. Thank you. You're listening to Calvary Live. The number of call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Also, you can send a text, 720-336-0897. A text that has come in. Um, uh, Let's see, sorting through these texts a little bit here. All right. Let's go back to our phone lines. Sorry about that. Let's go to Andrew in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Andrew, welcome to the program. Andrew, are you there? All right, let's try that one more time. Andrew in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, on line one. All right, Andrew, it looks like we lost you. Feel free to give us a call back. The number to call is 303 690 303-690-3000. Also, you can send a text, 720. 720- 336 uh, uh, All of our lines are open, so if you've got a question about the Word or a particular doctrine or things that are going on in your life, uh, feel free to give me a call. love to be able to take prayer requests as well. If there's a challenge in your marriage or things that are going on uh, with your kids, 303 690 Or you can also send a text 720. Let's go to Natalie in Lakewood. Natalie, welcome to the program.
6: Hey, how's it going?
4: Good. How are you doing?
6: Good. Doing really well. Um, My question is this. uh, I was wondering why—so I've given my life to the Lord, and He's my number one priority, and often—I'm 24, so often I desire—I still have the desire for a partner, and— Yeah. I know that when I admit that to other believers, there, a lot of the immediate response is that I haven't given my all to the Lord, but I truly feel like I have—I mean, I, I'm always going to be giving my life to the Lord in different ways and surrendering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my question is just, why do I still have that desire? Will it be met? Hmm.
4: Yeah, it's it's a good question, and I think that you still have that desire because— it's God's will for you to get married um, you know marriage is a good thing and the Proverbs say that uh, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and that the Lord writes his will upon our hearts uh, and Philippians chapter 1 uh, tells us that 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 God works within us to will and do his uh, good pleasure um, so you know, only the Lord knows for sure if that desire would be met, but I would not be surprised uh, at the right time in your life that God uh, brings that, that right man into your life and continue to, to seek first uh, the kingdom of God and put the Lord first. But seeking the Lord and having a desire to be married are not opposed to each other, if that makes sense. You know, yeah, I know that's really refreshing
6: it, to hear, because often I feel... Um like, I can't express that desire to people because they mistakenly take it for me not surrendering, and the Lord being my first and only love, in a sense.
4: Yeah, I think a lot of times what happens in believers' lives is as we do surrender to the Lord, uh, He gives us a desire for marriage, you know, because marriage is His plan and it is His design. So I would, you know, tend to say the opposite, that uh, your desire for marriage is flowing out of your relationship with the Lord. Um. So,
6: okay awesome thank yeah. you
4: well, let me pray for you because i know that's not easy and pray that the lord will 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 meet this desire of your heart in his time so
6: okay i love that
4: okay. god thanks for natalie and thanks for what you're doing in her life and her love for you and her surrender to you and thank you for this desire that she has to be married and we do ask lord that you would Bring her a godly husband in your time, and that you'd already be working in his life and be working in her life. and Or we know that marriage is your design, and it, it's, a, it's a blessing. And so, or give her strength, give her wisdom, give her patience. Uh, and Lord, we just ask that you would do this in her life, in your time, if it's your will. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
6: Amen. And if it's his will, of course. Thank you.
4: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. God bless you. You too. bye, bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. The number to call is 303 690 3000 Also, you can send a text, 720-336-0897. Let's go to JC in Baltimore. JC, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi, how Hello? are you? Hello. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I sure I sure can. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay.
7: Uh, my question is: I just wanted a little bit clarity uh, on uh, the subject of eternal life, and uh, when I when I discuss that subject to a non-believer, uh, as um, I understand it, in, to my understanding, uh, the uh, eternal life starts when you uh, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it's present tense, and when I when I tell a non believer that, they give me a crazy puzzled look. And mm-hmm. uh, I have one scripture that uh, that I pulled up, and I would like to know if uh, you know of any other scriptures that can put a nail in it. Uh, that's okay. The particular scripture I have is uh, uh, John, the 17th chapter, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, 1 through the 3rd verse. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, let me just read that. Um, verse 3 of John 17 says, And this is eternal life, that you that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so it is true that the moment that we receive Christ our Savior, we do enter into uh, eternal life. Um, and then having said that... Uh, you know, we haven't entered into the fulfillment, the fullness of of eternal life yet. You know, we we've entered into the aspect of we know Christ, and He is life, and we've entered into to eternal life as far as we can on this earth. And then when we die and go home to the Lord, uh, we experience this in a much greater way, in a in in a fuller way. Does that make sense? So it's it's true in that. Eternal life does start now for the believer, uh, but it will become much greater when we're with the Lord and glorified and no longer struggling with sin.
7: Okay, because it's a lot of non-believers when uh, if they I wanted to explain it in a way where if they if they believe it in that uh, aspect, they and they're hooked on some drugs or something. You know, some negative thing that they're struggling yeah. with. It seemed like um, that that would, you know, it would kind of pull them more on the uh, on, in the dark side instead of the light side. Yeah, you you, you understand what I'm saying? So I wanted yeah, I to do. find out if I can explain it in a way where it could just pop their eyes open, and they could say, yeah. "Wow, eternal life is now."
4: Yeah. Yep, yeah, I think I think it's a good way to explain it. It's the way that that Jesus explained it to us, you know, and and you can definitely see it in the life of a believer, you know, as we know Christ, we've we've entered into eternal life. So, I just want to encourage you. I think it's awesome that you're sharing with unbelievers, and I know God is using you and will continue to use you.
7: Okay. Uh, all right.
4: Well, thanks for calling, J.C. Let me pray for you and pray that God would continue to give you wisdom as you share with unbelievers. So, Father, thanks for J.C. in Baltimore. And, Lord, I just ask uh, that you would continue to give him wisdom and give him opportunities, him with the Holy Spirit to be used by you. And, Lord, I thank you so much uh, for him. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
7: Amen. God bless you.
4: All right. God bless you, too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Eric here in Colorado Springs at Rocky Mountain Calvary. The number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Also, you can send a text, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Will here in Colorado Springs. Will, welcome to the program.
3: Thanks, Eric. Um, I got a question uh, for myself, and then a quick comment. The previous caller that was asking about the people that never had a chance to hear about Jesus and stuff, since um, the Gentiles were grafted into the family of the the Jews, um, could we also be considered part of Israel now, because in Jeremiah where it says, um jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three. this is the covenant i will make with the people of israel after that time declares the lord i will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts so i i'm thinking didn't god when he created us didn't he kind of write that in on our hearts and in our minds that we know that to do certain things is just inherently wrong and that there's something greater and isn't that part of that but then my question actually was who who was Melchizedek and where did he come from? And some people think maybe he was a a form of of Christ um, that he didn't have a father, but Christ did have a father. So who is Melchizedek? Where did he come from? And and, uh, and I'm a little confused about you know it's kind of mysterious the whole Melchizedek um,
4: person. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's quite a bit there. Let's start at the beginning. Um if we are are Israel now, Gentiles grafted in. So the New Covenant, you know, includes Jew and Gentile, and that Gentiles are grafted into the people of God, uh, but that doesn't cancel out uh, the physical reality of Israel, and Israel still being God's chosen people. There's some that believe what's called a replacement theology, that when Gentiles got saved, that, uh, we replaced the nation of Israel. And so all of the promises that are written to Israel are are for us. And Romans 9, 10, and 11 makes it really clear that the nation of Israel uh, is still God's chosen people, and he's continuing to do a work in, in them that's going to be fulfilled at the second coming of Christ, where Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, tells us that they asked Jesus, where did you get these wounds? And he says, in the house of my friends. So I, I don't know if that's helpful with the nation of Israel, is we're grafted in, but it doesn't cancel out the physical, literal existence of Israel and them being God's chosen people. Right, um, yeah, and, I know
3: that they're set apart and they're set aside, and, and there's certain all those blessings and stuff were specifically for Israel, but I was wondering more so about him putting the law on the people's mind yeah. and writing it on their hearts. So...
4: That passage in Jeremiah 31 is a prophecy about the New Covenant of when we receive Christ as our Savior and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us and God writes his will upon our hearts uh, as believers writes his law upon our hearts as as believers and really contrasting the difference of the law being outward it was written on stones uh, and yet the New Covenant is written upon our hearts And it's a result of happens when the Holy Spirit's in us. In the Old Covenant, they never had the Holy Spirit living inside of them. So I do think Jeremiah 31 is a little different than our conscience. You know, everybody's born with a conscience that also does guide us. But this is even greater when we're born again. Now we have the Holy Spirit writing God's law on our hearts.
3: That makes sense. Okay, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I could take the answer on Melchizedek off the air if you want.
4: No, I, I've got time. Let's let's try that as well. So there is, long and short, there is mystery about Melchizedek. We don't know where he came from. When we're reading the book of Genesis, uh, he just walks onto the pages of uh, the Old Testament. We're told that he's the king of uh, Salem, which is Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, so there, there's a lot of uh, questions about the identity of Melchizedek. Um uh, and then the book of Hebrews brings it in and, and really points out how that uh, Jesus is of the order of Melchizedek, because um, Abraham you know, offered uh, tithes to Melchizedek, showing that Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. And Jesus coming through the order of priests of Melchizedek shows that Jesus is greater than Abraham, which was really important to the Jews who put Abraham over Jesus. So that's a long answer. I don't know if it even makes any sense, but is that helpful at all?
3: Yeah, it it makes sense. I I know I I was listening and doing some studying and I and I know that like the Jews um typically they look for signs and wonders and then they said the the um the Romans or whatever they look for the law and for something to make sense. So they were trying to somehow break it down where it would make sense to both both of them um and I, and I know that Jesus is, is the new holy priest, um, the high high priest, the, the final priest that makes intercession for us and in the whole, mm-hmm. so that they didn't have to do f- fleshly sacrifices of animals anymore. He, he was the one and the right. final priest to make a sacrifice once and for all. So I understood that, but the Melchizedek as a physical person, where he came from, he didn't have a father, he didn't have a mother. I'm like, and where did he come from? Okay, well, right. thanks,
4: Eric. Yeah, you bet. God, God bless you, Will.
3: Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
4: You're listening to Calvary Live. The number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Also, you can send a text, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Arthur in Denver. Arthur, welcome to the program. Arthur, are you there on line two? All right. Let's try Stephen and Aurora. Stephen, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, hey there, Pastor. Can you hear me?
4: Yep, I sure can.
2: Uh, all right, cool. Thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate yeah, you, ministry. Yeah, you um, so kind of like the comment or question, I guess you could say, that's been on my heart. I, I think God's been really touched my heart lately to be more um, to be more serious, more committed with my salvation. Um, you know, and just not saying, hey, I'm, I'm saved and I can still do what I want. But, you know, it's like Jesus, he, he, he came and he, he gave his life. And that's a serious matter right there. Um, and yeah. so something God kind of put on my heart the other morning that I just kind of wanted to share and get your opinion on, um, I, I woke up, and God just kind of placed the parable of the ten virgins on me, um, and uh, as, as um, kind of paralleling with the rapture of the Church. And I never really thought mm-hmm. about that par- par- parallel with the rapture of the Church. It appears to me that ten virgins have the Holy Spirit, representation of the oil, on um, did didn't. Now the ten that didn't have the Holy Spirit, they thought they were saved. They thought that they were gonna be going to the uh, the bride and with the the the, the groom. Uh, Jesus mm-hmm. came, and they didn't weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, so mm-hmm. I started thinking, wow. I wonder how many, and myself included. Sometimes I really gotta think about myself. I wonder how many Christians are out there saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm cool. Um, you know, if the rapture were to come, I know I'm a Christian, but they're not serious. Would they really be uh, taken in the rapture? Were they left if they're not filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, and, and so what do you think about that parallel? Do you kind of see that as being a rapture the parallel, kind of with the yeah.
4: virgins? I think it does point to the rapture, and I think that the oil does point to the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I would kind of look at those that don't have the, the oil you know aren't truly saved they, they have never really fully surrendered themselves uh, to the Holy Spirit to uh, be saved and, and to be the child of God. Um, so I think you're on the right track there with that yeah. and so
2: and it, and it, it occurs to me that they they think that they they are saved because they say, hey, we're virgins. You know, so it's not like it's someone in the world that says, hey, I don't care about that Christianity thing. These people actually, they are they have the knowledge of it, um, but it's almost like they're just messing around. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and so God just really la- laid that on my heart the other morning, and he said, hey, are you messing around? If I were yeah. to come, would you be taken with me just because you think you're saved, you know?
4: Yeah. Um, and
2: that just really kind of you know, hit hit home for me. You know, I just kind of wanted to share that, and
4: yeah, and, and you know, Stephen, I just that. want to encourage you. I think that God uh, is doing a great work in your life. You know, and it, it sounds like to me the Spirit's really awakening you and and encouraging you to uh, surrender to the Lordship of Christ, and that's a great yeah, thing. You know, it's 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 really cool what God's doing in your life.
2: Yeah, thanks, thanks. I appreciate that. I just, I, more times than not, I just feel too beat up, more beat up than, than anything, you know, and I can't be used yeah. to God because I'm so busy just beating myself up and just wallowing in my flesh, you know.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's a real trap of the enemy to get us to live in condemnation. You know, thankfully there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, and Jesus was beat for us so that we didn't have to beat ourselves, and the the glory of God's grace then allows us to then just surrender, you know, and say say yes to the Lord, and so. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's almost like when I'm dabbling in my flesh, um, then I, I think about Jesus and what he did. You know, God's only sin, Son coming down, taking that punishment on himself. Like, that's, that's not good enough for, for me to say, no flesh, I'm not going to have anything of you. Uh, and I'm like, wow, you know, what else more could, could God possibly do? But then to send his only Son to die for my... I mean, that you, you can't think of anything else that God could have done. I mean, that, it just blows my mind away, and yet I still hang on to, you know, my flesh, my desires, my lust, and it just...
4: Yeah. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul uh, experienced as well, and we all do in, in Romans 7, where he says, I do the things I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Uh, and then in chapter 8, verse 1, he really focuses on Christ and says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So... Can I pray for you, Steve, and pray that the Lord just really continues to encourage you? Father, thanks so much for Stephen. Thank you for what you're doing in his life. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to encourage him. And Thank you for just awakening him uh, to the importance of uh, surrendering to you, God, to, to taking serious his walk with you. And with that, Lord, would you really meet him and bless him. May he know the depth of your love and forgiveness as well, that there's no condemnation in Christ for those who believe. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor.
4: Well, thanks for calling. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Eric Cartier. The number is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. If you have a prayer request or you've got a question about the Word or something that you've heard about a particular doctrine, 303 690 Also, you can send a text, 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897. That's a great way to be able to join the program. Again, this is Pastor Eric Cartier at Rocky Mountain Calvary in Colorado Springs, Hope that the Lord is really meeting you and encouraging you today as you're traveling down the road or maybe at work or at home getting ready for dinner. So gang, hang with me. We are going to take a break and we'll be right back.
1: Welcome
2: back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
4: Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Eric. The number to call is 303-690-3000 or you can send a text 720-336-0897. Let's go to Josh in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Josh, welcome to the program.
0: Uh, My question is, I was watching Jesse Duplantis, and he was talking about tithing and giving, and a lot of it made sense to me except one part, and that was the sowing the seed. And I... Obviously, I couldn't talk to the TV to ask, so I wasn't sure what he meant by that. Like, can you yeah. help me understand it?
4: Yeah. So I think a lot of times when uh, Christians use this phrase, sowing the seed, uh, in, especially in terms of giving, it's the, the money that's given or the time that's given or the gospel being invested uh, is the seed that's planted. And when that is planted, uh, then God, by his grace, will hopefully you know, provide then uh, a harvest. Um, and so I think that, you know, sowing a seed is, is that expression or that visual image of here I am investing in the kingdom. Uh, and so with that uh, is going to c- come some fruit. Um, and, and so, you know, one of the things that is important for us to realize with giving is God Calls us to give um, and instructs us to give throughout Scripture, but we're not giving in order to get some kind of monetary blessing in return. Um, there's a spiritual blessing that God brings into to our lives. But you know, some teachers would tell you, you know, if you if you give, then it's a guarantee from God that you're going to receive a hundredfold. So you know, sow the seed. You know, sow ten dollars and. And in faith, you're going to receive $100 back uh, in in return. Um, And so you have to be careful with some of those uh, uh, teachers that really uh, teach a prosperity gospel, or uh, say, you know, if you give financially, then this is all the money that's going to come back to you. So does that make sense? It it does.
0: Um, It does and it doesn't. I still have more questions. So if I'm believing to... Um, be debt free. To have my wife's uh, student loans paid off. To mm-hmm. um, I don't know, pay off her house. If yeah. I help somebody else with their student loans, or if I help somebody else with their house, it's not like a it's not like a direct connection, right? It's not like a like.
4: Correct. You're 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 right. That. Yeah, I don't see anything in scripture that tells us, you know, if we're if we help out someone else with with their student loans, then then God's going to pay off our student loans. Like we would want to give because we felt led to and we wanted to help them out with no expectation of financial return, if that makes sense.
0: So scripturally does it does it speak about cuz I haven't read this when I read the Bible. I haven't. I haven't found the spot where it jumped out at me, and I was like, "Ah, oh, yes, this is the sowing the seed part that he was talking about."
4: Right. So is that, is that in there
0: somewhere that it that I could read it and pray on it and reflect on it?
4: Uh, yeah. So the there is a parable of the sower, um, and it's talking about the word of God, uh, not financial giving. Um, and let me uh, pull up that. Uh, reference for you, and I'll get that to you. Um, The parable of the sower is in Matthew 13, uh, and Jesus talks about the seed that's being planted is the Word of God. And and so, that's something to look at. Uh, Also, with giving and tithing, uh, you could look at the book of Malachi. and Malachi Mm -hmm. chapter 3, it talks about uh, tithing and and giving. Um, And then, In the New Testament uh, it talks about giving in 1st Corinthians uh, to be a a cheerful giver Um, okay get that for you as well
0: but the only part that really references the seed because the rest of the giving made sense to me I got the charitable giving the tithing all of that very easy to understand it was the seed okay so that's only really in the Matthew that I need to look at
4: yep okay It was a great question. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Eric. Yep, you bet. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Eric Cartier. The number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Rudy. Uh, Rudy, welcome to the program.
8: Hi. Good evening. My question is... um, so I go to, I'm trying to be way closer to God and learn, you know, learn the word a lot. And then I go to two different churches. So I go to a church that, as a youngster, my my auntie took me to, first I Presbyterian. I quite don't understand the Presbyterian part. And, uh, I started recently, about, for about a year now, going to uh, His Love Fellowship on 9th and Calamity out here in Denver. Uh, he's the pastor there, you know, through gang outreach has always tried to get me there. And when, as I pushed him away as a youngster, now that my life's turned around, I, said yes, and I go every Sunday. Uh, people who I invite with me to church, they see the Presbyterian church like weird. I don't know what they get about weird. And then they see okay. the, you know, His Love Fellowship, uh, you know, bright and exciting. What's the difference from Presbyterian to, like, uh, like I kind of don't know what a kind of Christian title church that His Love Fellowship is. But, I mean, I feel them both, yeah. so I get a lot out of both.
4: Yeah. You know, I think of Paul's example, and he loved uh, to use it, uh, is that we're the body of Christ, and we're many members. This is Romans 12, verse 4. Uh Uh, For we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. And just like my hand is very different than my foot. Or my mouth is very different uh, than my big toe. You know, God in the body of Christ has a variety. We have different gifts. And so different churches will have different flavors and and different emphasis. And God has a place for all of them because he uses these different churches to touch uh, different people's lives. As long as the churches are staying true to the Word of God. You know, as long as they're uh, committed to the truth of, of Scripture. And so I think that, you know, in answer to your question, uh, you know, God's in both of these churches, and they they look different, they feel different for God's purpose to reach different people. And I think with your friends, I would encourage them to uh, be in a place where they, they go to the church that's ministering to them. Are you still there, Rudy? All right, well, I hope that in, answers your question. And let's go to uh, Janelle. Janelle, welcome to the program.
9: Um, <clears throat> I have a question about the New Testament. Um, well, let me first just make a comment, and then I'll ask my question. Okay. I've heard, um, and I really love the teaching on, on the station, And um, I've heard a lot of the teachers from a lot of the different Calvary Chapel fellowships, and I really enjoy them. Um, I wanted to say that one thing that particularly bothers me, and I couldn't figure out for a while why it did, and it may be sort of in a roundabout way ties into my question. One of the things that troubles me is, I hear the doctrine of salvation by faith, and for a long time, I couldn't figure out why it rubbed me the wrong way. It was basically salvation by faith only. I know Mm -hmm. that we are not saved by our works. And Mm -hmm. Galatians teaches, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? So I understand that. But it finally dawned on me what I feel like is not spoken about as much. And part one of my question is, I wondered if you could tell me why. Um, I hear hear pastors over the radio pray with people in the congregation who are seeking salvation. Mm -hmm. And I've been a Christian for years and years, so I'm asking this as a believer. What Mm -hmm. troubles me is the lack of emphasis when people are prayed for, the lack of emphasis on repentance, because mm-hmm. I don't, um, if if we don't have a godly sorrow for our sin, and if we don't turn away from it, we're going to just fall right back into it again. And so I understand that salvation is is, you know, Ephesians says, by grace are you saved through faith. But um, the Bible says faith without works is dead, and to me, repentance is a work of faith that, you know, I I don't—we don't repent after we're saved at so much as we do repent before we're saved. John the Baptist came preaching repentance, and people were baptized to John's baptism, but then they were saved— you know at a at a later point when they believed on Jesus, so i'm I'm really troubled by this lack of emphasis in the churches on repentance, and not just the Calvary chapels, but everywhere and I yeah. was wondering if you could shed some light on that for me, but my real question is coming up after that
4: Oh, you got another one for me, huh we're yes, just warming I do. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So uh John the Baptist, Jesus and the disciples all uh preached repentance. Uh and so repentance is a change of mind and a change of direction that when a person's saved, we're turning from sin and we're turning to Christ, believing in his free gift of salvation, inviting him to be the Lord of our life. So to me, it's not a a work that we do to earn or receive salvation. It's part of the process of coming to Christ to be saved. Um, And also in Romans, it tells us that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. So it's the gospel, it's the work of Christ that leads us to that place of saying, I'm turning from sin, and I'm turning to, to Christ. And you know, one of the things I think you may find is as you're listening to a pastor give the gospel, is there may be the message of repentance and he may be using words like turn from sin, which does mean repentance. And so that's a that's a possibility uh, as as well. Um uh, but if you're wondering is repentance important? Yes, is repentance what takes place when someone receives Christ as their savior. Yes, Um, and so so now let's go to your second question, since Um, we're just warming
9: up. My second question is that I keep reading in the New Testament about the concept of adoption, and I understand that the children of Israel have been and are God's chosen people, and I understand that a lot because of Romans and the teaching in Romans, et cetera, that they still are. I don't believe in replacement theology. However, um, every time I come to that concept of adoption, mm-hmm. it makes me feel a little bit like I'm standing on the sidelines, that I'm not really God's first choice, and that I'm kind of a second-choice stand-in, because others have not accepted him. And I don't know um, why it is exactly that I feel that way, but I do. And I can't understand, um, I can't understand why are we not all the children of God by faith on the same level.
4: So, just to be honest with you, I think you're Getting the wrong message from from adoption Um, you know in in Ephesians 1 5 it says having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to his good pleasure of his will uh, to the praise of his glory and of his grace and adoption really shows uh, parents choosing to have have the child be in their their family Um, and specifically, like knowing this child, they're they're a boy, they're a girl, they're this age, and I'm choosing for them to be in my family. You know, I think about uh, when I was born to my parents; they they chose to have a child, but they didn't choose, they didn't have the ability to choose whether as a boy or a girl. And and here came Eric; he's a boy, and and they they were blessed. But uh, the the beauty of adoption is someone going out of their way to choose. Uh, to have them be in their family, so I think when you read the truth of adoption in scriptures, it should resonate of, of God's great love for you that He chose you to be to be His daughter. Does that does that make sense?
9: It does. It does. There's just something yeah. in me that that kind of feels like, well, you know, the others were first and I'm second, and I
4: <laughs> yeah. I don't, Is there... I,
9: I If I see, I was never able to to have children so okay. if I would have been able to adopt, which for various reasons I was not, but if I had been able to adopt, I I would have I would have loved whatever child I I adopted. Mm-hmm. Um I wouldn't so much have cared whether I chose them or not. If somebody else chose them for me I think I would have loved them just as much as if I had made the choice myself, yeah um I don't know, maybe I see love in a in a different light or a wrong light,
4: yeah, I would just encourage you to maybe examine that with the Lord, you know, maybe there's been experiences in your life that have have caused you to feel unwanted or or unloved and and so when you read about adoption in the Scripture, it, it makes you feel like you were a second choice. But, you know, I think the principle, the truth of what God's saying is adoption is, is you're God's precious treasure, you know, and he, he chose you to be uh, his His daughter. Um, so those are good good questions.
9: Thank you so much.
4: Yeah, thanks for calling. God bless you.
9: God bless you.
4: You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Eric Cartier. It's great to have you along with me today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Also, you can send a text, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Dee in Virginia. Dee, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, thank you. You're welcome. Hello, can you hear me? I sure can. Okay, Uh, I guess my question was... Um, Why do we refer, or why does the Bible refer to God as a he, as a human?
4: Okay. So, you know, when God refers to himself as a a he, I I don't think he's referring himself as a human, necessarily. Uh, He refers to himself as as a deity, as God, uh, and he chooses to reveal himself in the masculine form as a father. You know, he... He's our heavenly Father. Jesus when he was teaching us to pray said, "Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name." And so God in his wisdom and who he is in his character and nature, he he chose to reveal himself as a father. And because he's a father, then then we refer to him as he. He instructs us to refer to him as as he. But God saying that he's he is he's not saying that that uh, he's a human though Jesus came in human flesh, you know, God became man, and, and Jesus stepped into human flesh, but when he's expressing himself as he, he's expressing himself as our Father.
1: Oh, Okay. Thank you very much. I just made a you clarification on
4: that point. Yeah, I'm you serious. bet. Thanks for calling. You're listening to Calvary Live, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Dan in New Jersey. Dan, welcome to the program.
5: Are you still there? Yep. Yeah, right. sorry. Um, yeah, um, my question was, in the book of Revelation, I think it's about chapter 21, when they open up the book of life, it goes through and says, and they'll be judged according to what they have done, and then they'll be rewarded accordingly. So, But the, the second part of that goes into, he opens up the book of the dead. In the book of the dead, he goes, it also talks about that they, they will be, um, uh, again, judged and rewarded accordingly. Aren't the people in the Book of the Dead actually uh, destined for hell? And so what would be that reward? What is there some type of something that the Bible refers to, like almost like <laughs> there's a layer in hell, or is there something else that, that uh, would define what that means?
4: Yeah, let's take a look at it together. Um, it's Revelation 20, uh, verse 11. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each according to his works." Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You know, so as I read through that, I don't see anything uh, for reward uh, for those who aren't in the book of life, that uh, they are being judged by their own works, you know, as you referred to the the book of the the dead. Um, And so I don't know of any reward that would be given to those that are cast into the lake of fire?
5: Okay, so the, so the aspect of that, they're being judged according to what they've done, this, right. that they're, they're already being, and I, I guess Michael my, my whole thought is they're already being cast into hell anyways. Why would, you know, it's like, you know, you didn't believe that's what it is. Why do I have to go through all the aspects of saying, okay, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this? You know, right. in the Book of Life, I get it, because there, there would be a reward, right? I, I believe in Jesus right. Christ, and, you know, following the Lord and Savior, I'm going to be there. Um, yep. And I re- understand, if I did more, then I'd probably be rewarded differently in heaven than than or if I did less.
4: So, the, I get your question. With them being judged by their works, I think it's those going before God saying, it's not just for you to send me to hell, I was a good person. And so then God opens up the law and and says, "Well, here's the standard in which you're you're judged by from a legal legal sense, and then here's what you did here's your here's your works, and this is why hell is the just judgment for you um, okay. you you rejected Christ, He's the one that paid the price for your sin, but then also, you know the wages of sin is death. you know the penalty for all of your works is. Your your spiritual separation uh, from me for all of eternity. So that's why I think it goes through the works is so that no one's without, without excuse. They're without excuse. No one could say it was unjust that I was sent to hell. Right. So
5: and so they so if they were a better unbeliever, there's not, There's no. They're going to get the same punishment no matter what. I mean, it's it's going to be equal punishment.
4: It seems that way, yeah. Yeah, okay.
5: Okay, that, that's always kind of mystified because I always kind of looked at that. And I wonder what he meant by that. What is he looking for yeah. in that? Yeah, good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time and have a great um, great holiday weekend.
4: You too. God bless you, Dan. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's go to Ellen in Baltimore. Ellen, welcome to the program.
1: Yes. hi and that's eileen i know eileen (laughs) Uh, sorry about that in here so the the, it might be a little staticky i'm not sure um i can hear you perfectly fine though i have a brother who has been evicted from his home because of hoarding and he lives in california i've been helping him out and i'm going to bring him back east here in maryland so he can get some help so um I just wanted to pray for not only for him but for all those who do are afflicted with this problem of hoarding Where sometimes they even lose their life um yeah so uh i'd like to pray for not just for him but for others who are in the same the same situation and sometimes Absolutely. some of them are in worse situations where they're actually out on the street and they're homeless and he's not homeless I, I have him in a hotel right
4: now, so um, until he can come here. So. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Let's let's pray for your brother and for others that are in this situation, so. Father, we thank you for your love for us, and you tell us in your word to cast our burdens upon you, because you care for us. And Lord, I, I pray for her brother, Eileen's brother, Lord, and that you would minister to him in this. and or whatever is causing him to to hoard things lord that you would unlock that inside of his soul and and just help uh, Eileen to have guidance in getting him help and even through this whole process that they're going through uh right now uh to get her brother to to Maryland and lord we pray for just people uh, that are throughout our our country that are dealing with this and even throughout the world um, lord that you would would come and set them free you tell us in your word, that you came to set the captives free. And so, Lord, would you would you minister to them, and would you bless them? In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, and God bless you, and have a great weekend.
4: God bless you, too. Bye-bye. You. You're listening to Calvary Live. We've got a few minutes left here, so I'm going to take some text questions uh, that have come in. A uh, text question comes in, it says, If you're not a virgin, will God can st- still consider your husband your husband since you had sexual relations with another man adam and eve had no wedding or ceremony Uh, this is why i ask so this is a good uh, question and yes god does consider your husband to be your husband uh, even if you weren't a a virgin when you got married Uh, because we do see the importance of a wedding ceremony where god uh, gives to us a, a wedding ceremony and in that wedding ceremony is when you're making that commitment before God and before uh, uh, your husband that you're committed to them in marriage or to to your wife. And God's also given the institution of government with a marriage license. And so if you've had sex with someone, it doesn't mean uh, that you have committed to them for them to be your spouse. Um, and so there is, a, there is a difference there. So you don't need to be uh, living in bondage um, and and feeling... Like uh, uh, your husband is not your husband. So, thanks for sending in that t- text question as well. Another text that comes in says Does the Holy Spirit te- speak to us? If so, how does he speak? Is it a feeling, a voice, or something else? Um, and so, the, the Spirit does speak to us. Uh, we're told to walk in the Spirit. Uh, we're told to not grieve uh, the holy spirit so this is a good question of, of how the holy spirit uh, speaks to us many times it is a still small voice not a not an audible voice of uh, an out loud hearing the voice of god but a still small voice in our heart uh, that will direct us uh, to do things or convict us of things that we are doing wrong um, and so it can be difficult to discern is this the voice of the holy spirit Always the Spirit's going to line up with the character and nature of Jesus and is going to line up with the Scripture. So if we ever think that the Holy Spirit is speaking to to us uh, in a way that contradicts Scripture, obviously that's our emotions and not the Spirit of God that is speaking to us. Uh, Many times in in my life, um, when I hear the Spirit speaking to me, um, uh, it's clear uh, or most of the time it's clear that it, it's different than my emotions, that that the Lord is speaking to me, that he is convicting me or planting this thought in my heart and in my mind. So pray that the Lord would uh, really give you wisdom in hearing the Holy Spirit's voice. Thanks so much for listening to me. Hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. God bless you so much. We'll see you back here next week with Calvary Live. Bye-bye.